and dig in with me, Johnny Ova. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dig In with Johnny Ova. I got my special guest, J.R. Gonzalez, here, and I am very excited to be able to share some time with him today, man. And, and thank you so much for joining me all the way from California. Yeah, all the way from the, uh, they call it the best coast, bro. Not the West Coast, but the best coast. <laughs> Uh, here, here in Los Angeles, man, a beautiful uh, 70 degree weather outside. I, it's just a beautiful day to be in Southern Cal. Right, right. Um, <laughs> so I, I am going to have some beef with you right away to start out because, you know, rumor has it that you are a, a Dallas Cowboys fan. You know, yeah, so. I'm a, a diehard, my man, ever since uh, I'm going to give my age away right here. But I was a I've been a Cowboy fan since 74, man, and uh, I, I've been unshakable since then. <laughs> so uh, my goal here is I'm going to try to convert you by the end of the show to a Jets fan. That's what I'm going to try to do. Um, well, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. Many have tried. <laughs> Trust me, many I, have tried. I've prayed and fasted for this, JR. I really have. But, um, hey, listen, guys, so, you know, you're used to hearing uh, me and Jason every single Wednesday and Friday night on 103, uh, uh, 103.9 FM radio here on Long Island and uh, doing our Sound of Heaven radio live show. And we had some breaking news that once we went off of that show that they actually were splitting into two separate shows. I'll be doing Dig In here, and Jason's going to be doing – you're going to like this, JR. Get the Flock Out is going to be the name of his podcast <laughs> about evangelism and reaching the lost and getting beyond the four walls. And uh, we're going to tangle with some, you know, just a bunch of different life stuff in there. And I do really appreciate your time today because, you know, one thing I admire about you, bro, is that you're so real, you're genuine, authentic. And let's be honest, in Christianity, there's not much of that. So um, I do appreciate your ministry, man. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, as they say, you know, we try to keep it real, but, uh, it's just, uh, you know, I realized uh, later in my ministry, man, that uh, I didn't want to start preaching down to people. I wanted to just be right there amongst them, you know. And uh, right. even Paul is a perfect example of him saying that, hey, I'm the least of all you guys. I'm, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the biggest sinner. And, and that's right. the way I kind of view it. I, I don't like to preach down to people. I like to sometimes I, I expose myself and some of the things that I've been through. Just so I can relate with folks, you know what I mean? Because sure. I don't want them, I don't want them to think I'm walking on water, man. I'm right there with you, fighting the good fight of faith every day, man. Struggles with, I struggle just like you, uh, and I just keep moving forward, man. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, the Word of God says that a, a righteous man falls seven times but gets up. So yep. that's my my whole thing, my man. I, I just get up, you right. know. I, I, don't, I don't even if I'm walking on water and I sink, I get up, and uh, that's that's just one of the uh, principles that I live by. Well, before getting into a little bit about you, you mentioned something there about not talking uh, down to people. And I feel it's really a big issue just as a whole, the way the world perceives the church. You know, when you read the scriptures, there's a co some common threads there. The, one of the things is that the world loved Jesus. They loved who he was. They loved how he treated them. And it was the church that got really ticked off at him and were mad at him and were aggravated with him. And I feel right. like the, when the truth is preached, even though it's hard, you know, sometimes to understand the word of God or really grasp the, you know, of, of crucifying that flesh. That's what I mean by difficult or hard. You know, yeah. people I just feel like are just sick and tired of the hypocrisy of Christianity. And it really repels them away from church, God, the gospel relationship. 
you know, what are some of your thoughts on that? What are some of the areas that you feel like, you know, maybe we just need to do better at or maybe you disagree with that? Well, I, I strongly believe that as shepherds uh, over a flock, uh, yeah, we could keep it real to a point. But when it comes to real challenges that us human being preachers face, I think it's important for us to be accountable to men that we can trust. Or if you're a, if you're a woman out there, a woman, women that you can trust that you can really pour your heart into, man, because I tell you what, uh, the days that we're living, it, it don't take much effort to trip. It don't make much, it don't take much effort to fall, man. So, right. you know, uh, the important thing, uh, is that you, you, you keep it real with those that God sends your way. Real yeah. men that, that will love you, that won't judge you, that won't, you know, so you can share, uh, the secrets of your heart, you know, and, and say, Hey man, this is what I'm going through. You know, or, you know, you know what I mean? The challenges of men every day. I mean, we walk outside and it's just crazy. So, yeah, man, uh, I think it's important for us men of God to keep it real. And I think that's where a lot of our uh, counterparts, our partners, uh, friends have. I mean, I've just recently read some reports about some pastors falling and getting uh, uh, arrested for, uh, you know, child molestation. All this stuff just because I believe they could not uh, they could not find people that they could keep it real with and say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Man, can you pray with me? You know, right. and and we built up this, I don't know, this facade, this false, uh, uh, just this false uh, thing that that don't allow us, man, to be real with folks. I'm always looking for men that I can keep real with. I'm always knocking on somebody's door and I'm feeling them out and I'm asking God, hey, help me. Is this one guy I can pour pour into or give my give my heart to so we, you know, I can continue to to move forward because. Uh, I need all the help I can get, my man. Right. I need all the help I can get. Yeah, we need that as men. We, you're right. And facade is the right word. It's just such a weird culture, man. Like, I don't know. We're going to get into a little bit of your past and, 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 and how you became a Christian and, and, you know, hear a little bit about your story. But, you know, I wasn't a Christian my whole life. And I'll never forget when my friend Bobby, who also runs the, the church down to heaven with me that I, that I pastor, he's actually here right now, Xerox and stuff in the background. So, uh, but, uh, in, in, in the room next door, but he was the one that introduced me to the Lord. And I remember started to read the Bible. And my first question as an outsider was like, why aren't we doing the things that the Bible talks about was like my first impression of the church of Christianity. And it's really kind of alarming, right? When you think about it and, and it, it, the, fa the facade is a good word there because, you know, we're supposed to be creating these environments where people can get real. The question is why don't people feel free enough where they could come into a church or come into a group of men where they can open up. Is it one, just shame, guilt, which is probably some of it, right? But I think a little bit of it too is a lack of trust in who they're talking to. I know a lot of people have been burnt by the church and just burnt by friends and family members in general. People just keep running their mouth and they don't keep things, you know, to themselves or confidential. And, you know, they really want to get that realness, that one-on-one -on -one there, you know. So I, I feel like that's a big part of it as well, too. Uh Hey, bro, you hit it right on. You hit the nail right on the head, man. Uh, just recently, I, I was speaking here up the street at a church, and the Lord dropped this in my spirit, man. And uh, I think it's a. I want to say it's an uh, epidemic in the church, and that's uh, dealing with the spirit of guilt and shame. Right. Uh, you know, uh, there, there, there are a lot of people, and even people behind the pulpit that that deal with guilt and shame because, like, like you said, man. Uh, I grew up in church, man, but 
my 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 family or my parents were like seasonal Christians. Uh, okay. During the winter, during the winter, we'd go to church, man. But, but once it started heating up, we were at the local <laughs> dance clubs, the, the the Mexican dance clubs, drinking and partying. So that's how I knew church, right? So yeah, we got. But, my, my wife is trying to get me to get my hips and my shoulders moving in the same direction here, yeah, so I, I can kind of get something. But yeah, that that kind of moves come natural for us. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you know, that's the way I grew up in, you know, church. But it, there was enough there to sow a seed that no matter what, uh, no matter what I did, I always had a fear of God in my heart, bro. And I used to have partners, friends, homies that uh, all we like to do is go to club. And, you know, we, we like to do our thing. You know, we like to meet right. the girls. We did everything a young person would want to do. Uh, but I remember, man, there were times when I would be at the nightclubs and I'd be dancing you know, dancing with the girl to uh, Funky Town or something like that, right? And uh, I remember dancing on the dance floor and the Holy Spirit convicting me, bro. And, and, and before you know it, I'm on the dance floor and I'm crying while I'm dancing with this girl. Really? And, and, and the Holy Spirit is just convicting me and he's telling me, son, I love you, but you know what I've called you to do. Right. And, uh, and, and I looked up and I said, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in here? You know? <laughs> but anyways, that, that's another story for another time. But but at the end of the day, you're right, uh, Johnny, that we do need to find the people uh, that God would send us, people that we could be accountable and and create an atmosphere, man, where yeah. people can come and share their heart, a non-judgmental. And, that, and that's a tough thing to do. You know, I think that comes over time, over being us being consistent in our message to the church like hey this is a church that you can come and bring your problems and we're not kidding about that you can come and bring your issues and you can come and and, and find people that will not judge you won't look down at you but you'll you'll find that many people in the, sitting in the churches with you are dealing with the same stuff man so try to create that atmosphere of openness try to create that atmosphere of <clears throat> excuse me create that atmosphere where folks can really be open with each other. And hey, why not have a few people come up and testify of some of the stuff that God brought them out of, right? right. That helps create that atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and just so you know, too, when I'm looking down, I'm actually looking at you. My camera's up above, so I can't see you and the camera at the same time. So when I'm like right now, I'm staring right at your face. <laughs> when I'm looking up here, I can't see you. Just so you know why it looks like I'm looking down all the time. So, but, um, yeah, I, I, I was talking to a friend of my wife's, uh, she was a college friend of hers and she's, um, not, and I, I, like, I don't think she identifies as a Christian, but it was interesting. Like she had gone through the Christian church and then she dated a guy or two that were Christians in church. And then eventually she had met a, uh, a really good guy who was a complete agnostic slash atheist. He's just not a believer in anything spiritual, religious, godly, or anything like that. But he's a good dude. He treats her right. And she made a statement, bro, that, uh, you know, it's, again, these statements, I, I really think the church as a whole, and I'm including myself in this, like, we really have to step back and evaluate what we're doing and how we're presenting ourselves just in general. Because this is what she said. She goes, I love God, and I love Jesus, and I love the Bible, but the church makes it so hard to want to be around people like that. This is the this is like the quote of the year for me that it like echoes when I think about this conversation I have with this young lady. She said, I felt like the more I got away from church, the more like Jesus I became. Mm, that's I mean, heavy, man. 
I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And, and it's it's true. I hear this a lot. What are we what are we doing? You know, with that that people, because that's not an uncommon thought. It's just not. It's not an uncommon thought. And I just think that we've almost become too like we have it's not even a word, religiousized. You know, we have religiousized the Christianity, this relationship, this church into this box that we don't allow the creativity of God to move. And it's like we don't know how to have good relationships because most people that become saved off of emotional reasons come from bad relationships. We don't know how to accept ourselves for our shortcomings and who we are. We don't uh, create these environments. We don't know how to handle sin. Like we feel like, you know, we're like this with sin. We're like ready to throw rocks right away because, you know, we feel like we've overcome. So it just creates this very weird environment for people like that to come into. And I spend most of my time in conversations with the non-Christian and even the Christian. And I feel like this is a lot of their sentiment. A lot of their their mindset is, is very similar to this. Um, and it's really, you know, you are a life coach or an author, writer, entrepreneur, preacher. I know you pastored a church for a while, so we're going to get into a lot of this now. But, um, you know, what do you feel like some of these reasons just – I know shame, rejection – uh, is definitely an issue. What are some other reasons you feel like, or maybe some things that you would advise the church leaders, churches can do to create more of this environment that allows all people, whether they're gay or straight, whether they're churched or non-churched, you know, whether they're believing, non-believing, have their doubts that all these people could come in and feel the love of God, but also be challenged by the word of God. Yeah. Uh, the, the, again, uh, we're not quite there yet, but we're, we're working on it. I believe there's a lot of people who are a lot smarter than me trying to figure that out right now. Um, But definitely, uh, I think if we present a Jesus that accepts you the way you are, and this is what I tell people. I say, listen, God loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Mm, And he's got, you know, let the Holy Spirit work on the hearts, bro. There's nothing I could say that would change a person's heart, even though, you know, I preach the word of God. I try to stay positive as, as much as I can. But at the end of the day, my man, it's the Holy Spirit that changes the hearts of yep. every man, every woman, no matter how hard they are, no matter what their uh, sexual orientation or whatever the case may be, man. And, and, and the church, we have to be more, you know, and this sounds cliche-ish, man, but we have to be more like Jesus, you know, because I don't believe Jesus went out there uh, judging people. He just went out there and loved people where they were at. Yep. And if we can get past... Uh, what we learned in Bible school, <laughs> well, if we could get past uh, how we grew up, because let's be real, man, some of our pastors were more tore up than we were, and they right. just put they just put some stuff in our heads, man, that that it's not not the easiest thing to shake, right? Sure. But uh, you know, we 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 just got to truly go back to the scriptures and say, okay, Jesus, how would you treat these people, man? How how would you? And you'll find many of uh, uh many of of experiences that Jesus had let's say dealing with the woman at the well and and it's just different folks that he dealt with. He never per se dealt with. He, he just listened to them. Right. And he loved them. Right. He listened to them. And that's probably one of the most important things because those preachers have a tendency to overspeak sometimes. And some of the times or not most of the time we should just be listening rather than speaking. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, th- these are things that just, we got to do as a church and do better. Uh, I've noticed that, listen, I grew up in the, I mean, I, I spent like 20 years in the charismatic movement, man. I went to Oral Roberts University and I saw all the biggest ministries. I, I, I went to some of the biggest churches in the whole country. And one thing I noticed, and I used to always trip out on this, is how they treat 
these creatures like superstars, untouchables. Yeah. You know, and to me, that was always like I was poisoned, man, in my head that I would not be able to be successful in ministry unless I had a mega church or unless I had a a, a great following. And, and and the reality is, is that something went wrong there. I think I don't care who you are. You can be the biggest preacher. And just me saying that may maybe brings uh, somebody to your mind that, you know, that's a heavy hitter in the church. Man, if they were more approachable right. by the just common person, that would help go a long ways, man. Because we we know that bad news travels a lot faster than good news, man. But if yeah. you become somebody, if you become somebody that that's approachable, then uh, uh you know word starts getting out like, hey, this is somebody that you can trust. This is somebody that you can go to that that is hurting, and and, and just be there with the people, bro. You know, yeah. don't just be, don't just hang out with the guys that tied the biggest checks, and and we're all guilty of that, right? But hey, go to this person that that is struggling, man, with uh, uh, whatever marijuana, drugs, struggling with a uh, uh, pornography, whatever the case is, man, and just be oh. there and listen and extend the hand of grace and mercy to them. I think that'll go a long ways in changing the 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 way people view the church, man. Yeah, there's an awesome documentary on Netflix um, about Billy Graham. I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at it, but there's one part, man, I'll never forget. It was during the I think it was the 1988 earthquake during that Oakland A's World Series. It was Oakland and I forgot who else was in there. Giants. Um, it was the Giants. The Giants right? That's so I'm from the area, bro. I, I grew up. I was there. I remember where I was when that earthquake hit. Really? Where were you? Yeah, I was right there. Where were you? Yeah. Where you I, I, lived in San, I lived in San Jose, which was about 40 miles uh, south of San Francisco. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I was there in the middle of it all. So, yeah, I remember that. Go, but go ahead. Right. Wow. So... So, yeah, so the earthquake happened and there's rubble everywhere. And one of the places on there is a news reporter is is reporting on the scene on one of the, the places that got really hit hard. And it was really sad. And right behind her, you see Billy Graham walking like he's just walking and 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 he's going up and he's like looking around and he helps like this person up off the ground, like in the background of the newscast going on and eventually gets wow. word that this is Billy Graham, the evangelist. Right. And they grab him. They interview him like. Like, almost like, what are you doing here? And the way he worded it, I can't, you got to watch it, but I'll paraphrase what he said. He says, when the world needs, when the world needs somebody, I want them to see me. And he calls it the ministry of presence. When there's the mm. disaster and they look around and they see me over their shoulders, knowing that I'm there and I got their back. And there's just so many good stories of like when the people in the army had their broken backs and they're laying upside down, you know, on those strapped to the stretchers and Billy Graham lays on his back and he crawls underneath them and he's face to face with them like this in some of the videos there while they had a broken back and he's and uh, they asked him why he does that he said well when somebody's talking about eternity to somebody they should be looking them in the eye it's incredible dude Beautiful. just really amazing stuff yeah. man but so jr you have been a christian your whole life well i grew up in church my whole life there's a difference okay. <laughs> all right so what's the difference there why don't you explain to people what the difference is there well the difference is is that there's a there's a thing that uh you can believe but not belong. So I believe, but I didn't belong. Gotcha. And uh, that doesn't happen until you actually say yes to Christ and and walk that journey. Uh, again, I was just, uh, I knew I loved God, but, you know, I wanted to do everything my, my, my friends were doing, you know. And yeah. so I really, I really didn't commit myself to the things of God till I was in my 20s. 
but yeah, I, you know, I grew up in church, man. Uh, what, you said really like born. you said you didn't belong. Was that because of a decision on you? Like you felt like you didn't belong. Was the church that you grew up in? Did they make you feel like you belonged, or was it that more of a you thing? No, that was more me. Uh, I when you see, this is this is a, uh, and you know everybody's got their 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 view on this, but in America, you know, we're reminded just by pulling out a a dollar out of our pocket that in America, in God we trust. Well, they believe in God, but there's a difference between believing in God and belonging to God. And to me, belonging to God is when you commit your life to Christ and you. You right. go beyond believing and you step into belonging. Mm. And uh, that's that that was me. I believed in God, but I didn't belong to God until, uh, you know, until I said, OK. I mean, believe me, I, I would have visitations of God. I was a bass player growing up. I okay. wanted to play in pro, pro bands. Uh, I was a baseball player growing up and, uh, you know, I, I was really good at baseball. So, you know, as a kid, these were some of the things I was interested in. But I remember there were times when I'd be in my room practicing my bass. And the same thing, man, God would just show up, man. I find myself on my face weeping in his presence, but still did not say yes to him. You know what I mean? But he would always hang around and remind me of, of his goodness and his love towards me and his grace towards me. And believe me, I, I, I grew up in a broken home, man. It's not like, you know, my parents divorced when I was really young and, uh, me and my mom, you know, we 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 grew up in the uh, in the hood, so to speak, in uh, San Jose, okay. and uh, we had our challenges. You know, I was born on the wrong side of the track. I used to tell people, and I still I still do. I I mess around with people. I I, I told them because uh, uh, I didn't graduate high school, right? And I said to them, I would tell people, you know, I didn't go to high school. I went to school high, and uh, <laughs> I get that oh, response that you, I get that response that you just gave me. Even when I preach, I'll say that, and people, but see. I'm able to relate because of that. Right. You know what Absolutely. I mean? I believe there's a lot of cats out there like me. Yeah. Or like Cause I Because nobody be. wants to be taught by, by somebody who hasn't been through or gone through what they've gone through. It's just the way it is. You know, like, you know, as a, as a married couple, when single people are telling me how to live my married life, it's kind of like, you know, you really don't know. You haven't been through it. You know, when your emotions yeah. are, anybody could go by the book. And it's the same thing. You know, uh, I wasn't addicted to drugs, but I was a drinker. I was a womanizer. You know, I was hooking up and, you know, always kind of rebellious in that type of way. Uh, and, you know, somebody who's never done anything wrong just trying to tell me how to live my life. It was kind of like, screw you, man. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to hear from you. Tell me why. Because my question to, to Christians was like, you want me to give up going out, having fun, hooking up with chicks, doing all this stuff and following God and giving it all up? Not many of my friends are going... I'm in. Sign me up for that. You know, the question is yeah. why? Why? You know, but uh, you're dead on, man. No doubt. So that's that's what happened, man. Uh, like I said, my parents, my mother, she did her best, you know. Uh, she did her best to to keep us all together. You know, there was uh, six of us, and uh, she, she did her best. Uh, no, I'm not saying my dad was a bad guy. He wasn't a bad guy. He just just some things happen and they decided to go their different ways, man. But at the were end of the both, day, were they both Christians and a Christian, like, yeah, were they yeah, both yeah, yeah. you know, you know, my dad was a preacher, man. He was one of those oh, wow. guys, even though he wasn't a pastor, man, he was one of those guys that he was always ready in season and out, you know, uh, there were times he walked into a church and they say, Hey, we don't have our, our pastor today. Would you preach? And homeboy would just get up and preach a word. <laughs> Uh, even if he wasn't living right, you know, which is a wonderful picture of God's grace and mercy on us, right? He'll yeah. use us 
matter. He'll use us no matter what. I'm not saying that's the way to go about it. I'm just saying that that was a that 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 let me see a side of God that is just so merciful and graceful that he'll use a vessel that may not be the most perfect vessel, but he'll use it to to help somebody get through something. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's a, so what was like that one defining moment? And you were like, that's it. I got to give my life to God, man. I got to change my life. Yeah, you know, uh, I went to a small, uh, a, a small Bible institute in L.A. It was from a big denomination, and and uh, I like I said, I was a bass player, and I had a friend named Benji, who uh, was a, is an amazing keyboard player, bro. I mean, he's amazing, and, and you gotta understand us growing up in the, uh, Northern California, we were we were into bands like Tower of Power. Uh, we were into bands like uh, Huey Lewis and the News. We were in, these are all Bay Area bands, you know. Confunction. Right. I mean, we were just uh, we were influenced by uh, R and B music. So a lot of our style was like that. And 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 I always wanted to play bass with Benji, but I never could because I was never at his level. And he'd always he'd always uh, bring in cats that were just as good as him. And uh, one day he came to me and he says, "Hey, I'm gonna." I just got hired to go play, uh, become the music minister of a Bible school out in L.A. Would you be interested in coming and uh, playing bass for us and touring with us? And I said, what? Tour? Okay. I was like 19 years old, bro. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. But I just thought about L.A. Here's my mindset. Touring, being a bass player. I was going to be around a lot of ladies. Hey, right. you, know, you know what I mean? So my heart wasn't in the right place, man. Sure. And it wasn't. Sure. And it wasn't until like a year into that, man, that, I mean, we were playing in front of thousands of people, man, youth conventions and everything, man. And, uh, you know, because I was a musician, you know, automatically people were drawn to me, you know, uh, because of that. And uh, it wasn't until uh, one night, because one thing I knew about this group I played for is that Benji didn't mess around. He always had us praying, even if we fell asleep praying. He wanted us praying, so right. it was very. Anointed. It was a very anointed band, and uh, huh. and one day God just spoke to me, bro. And I I went from being the bass player to actually uh, uh, end up starting to go to school there. So that was my true journey of beginning my walk with God, man. But but I came uh, with uh, all kinds of baggage, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Uh, so that's what happened, and, and it wasn't until my mid twenties, man, to, that I that I uh, started uh, doing my best to 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 walk this journey. You know, Having, nice. I wasn't perfect by no means, right? I wasn't perfect, but I was a little bit more serious about uh, what I wanted to do and how I, you know, wanted to serve God. Well, you are called to, I mean, really impact the nations. You have that that anointing on you for sure. There's just something about you that that pierces, penetrates, like when you talk, people listen type of anointing. So, you know, thankful to God for that gift in you, man, because, you know, the, the, it's so funny how small this world is. I know we have a mutual friend in Jared Boom Boom Mancini over there. You know, it's like yeah. my twin on the, on, the, on the West Coast. Love that guy. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just seeing how, how God uses you and, and, and what God is using you for. And I'm excited to kind of talk about that aspect of it. So you give your life to the Lord, you're on fire and you're, you're now in your twenties. When did you really feel like the call? Did you jump right into pastoring? Cause I know you pastored a church for a while. 
or was it more yeah. of the entrepreneurship stuff? I know you recently came out with a book that we're going to talk about, or you have written a book uh, that we could uh, want to chat about. So what was like that first step into ministry where you dipped your toe in the water? Yeah, I didn't uh, jump into ministry right away. In fact, because I was a part of a certain denomination, which I won't mention because I got a lot of friends still there. Okay. Uh, you know, I saw the way they treated their pastors, man, and I wanted no part of it. You know what I mean? So right. I, I took my time into getting into ministry. Uh, to be honest with you, I had more, I have more still to this day, more of an evangelistic call than anything else of the fivefold. I mean, right. uh, you know, the, you know, more than apostolic, prophetic, or anything else. I have a, I have a evangelistic call, a person that comes in, blows up, blows in, blows up, and blows out. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I, that, I have that type of anointing on me. But right. um, uh, I didn't go to, uh, after I finished this Bible Institute, I, I ended up getting married, and I've been married now for 27 years. All right, uh, shout to, out to the wife. All right, we're doing the, the little shout out to the wife thing. Yeah, yeah, to Arlene Deanna. has uh, been my uh, faithful, loyal wife for 28 years. We have three children. Uh, my oldest, he's 27. Jeremy, Jasmine, she's 23. And then there's Jaden, who she's uh, 18. Uh, but anyways, man, uh, I end up getting married. Uh, we had our first baby, Jeremy. And then this is the crazy thing, bro. And this is where a lot of supernatural things begin to happen. I was at a Bible school. I graduated there in, you know, 89. And in 93, I believe it was, I got, yeah, 93, I got married. And I was just uh, working for Terminix, man. I don't know if there's Terminix in New York, but yep, there I, was, is. I was a cockroach killing guy, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I remember on my birthday, I was in my truck and uh, uh, I was kind of tripping because I wasn't getting any younger. Even though I wasn't older, I wasn't getting any younger, obviously, right? Yeah. And I remember, I remember the Lord uh, talking to me. And he said this, because I was kind of feeling bummed. I'm like, man, God, I went to Bible school. You know, I know you've called me to preach, but, you know, nobody calls me. You know, I don't know anybody, you know, kind of feeling sorry for myself, you know, with a Twinkie in one hand and a Diet Coke in the other, right? Just feeling sorry for myself. And right. uh, uh, I heard the Lord speak to me and he says, hey, I didn't call you to destroy bugs i've called you to destroy the works of the enemy huh. and that rang that rang so strong in my spirit my man that I, I called my wife and uh i also heard the lord said that he wanted to open the doors for me to attend old roberts university which i don't know maybe some of your viewers know what school that is but it's in the charismatic world it's one of the most dynamic influential universities in the world right so here's here here i am and i never graduated high school I'm in my early, uh, I'm in my early thirties. Uh, so I call my wife and say, Hey, Deanna, uh, I believe God wants us to move to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And she's like, you're crazy. You know, <laughs> moving to Tulsa, Oklahoma, what's out there. And I said, you know, I just feel the Lord's calling me to, to attend Oral Roberts university. Right. right. So, uh, so we're, we're, she's like, nah, we better wait on God on that one. I said, okay. Let's go ahead and just chill. So uh, about a week or two weeks later, we're having a, a revival service at the local church I'm attending. And my good friend, uh, Tim Story, was speaking that that throughout right. that revival. 
And uh, me and my wife are sitting like in the second roll or something, one of the nights. And he calls me up because we know each other personally. We've known each other for, for a while. And he calls me up and he says, hey, JR, uh, I feel the Lord saying that uh, God's opening doors for you to attend Old Roberts University. And me and my wife looked at each other like, oh, oh, okay, there's a confirmation. Right. But what sealed, it, what sealed it, and this is something most preachers don't do. He says, I want, us to, uh, I want us to pick up an offering for this couple, and I want us to send them off with a blessing. And the place is packed, bro. I don't know, I don't know if you knew Tim back in the 80s, bro, but that guy was one of the, the hot shots of the charismatic world. And, uh, man, they picked up a fat offering for me and my wife, bro. Wow, wow. And uh, we're talking into thousands, man. And, and they sent us off. And then here's here's the crazy part. So I didn't have a high school diploma, so I knew I had to get a GED. So I right. went and got my GED, and uh, I applied for OR, ORU, and they accepted me, right? So we're on our way. To make a long story short, it's me, my wife, and my two-year-old son. We're on our way to Oklahoma, and uh, we get there. And it's so cold, man. We're from Southern California, bro. It, don't get back. <laughs> it is so cold in Oklahoma that that our doors to our car froze shut. I never oh experienced anything. I never experienced anything like that. Anyways, man, so I go and I register at the school. Amazing. I mean, was, I was just in awe of everything that God was doing. Now, watch this, man. Check this out. So I go and I register, and I come back home, and I tell my wife. It took all day for me to do that, by the way. And I come back home, and I said, you know, Deanne, it's going to cost me about 150000 by the time I finished school here, I said, that's a lot of money, man. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know it was going to do that. But, but I also knew that God told me that he would make a, he would provide. Well, check sure. this out. Uh, during the time I was over there registering, my wife got a call from ORU and they were asking her if she could come in that day for an interview for a job in the admissions office. So she goes, and she gets hired on the spot. So really? I come home. I tell, yeah, I tell her, hey, uh, you know, and she goes, hey, well, I got some good news for you. And I said, well, what's up? She goes, I went on an interview today while you were over there uh, at the uh, offices uh, registering. She goes, and I got hired as an, as an admin in, in the administrative office. And, and now here's the awesome miracle. She goes, and one of the benefits is that either I can go to school free or you can go to school oh free. Oh, my goodness. Bro, we just, I mean, it, you know, we let out a shout. And I went to school absolutely free. Absolutely free, where most folks are $150,000, $200,000 in debt. And uh, I went to school absolutely free, my man. And, that is. Uh, wow. I, I took advantage of it, and I ended up finishing the school in two and a half years because I could go day and night and all summer. Right. So uh, I went on the fast track and got my degree that way. But yeah, that was a miracle in itself, man. And then even after I graduated in, in 98, I still didn't get into ministry. It wasn't until I moved back to San Jose that I got involved with the local ministry there. And okay. uh, they told me to stop sitting down and get in the game. So I came back to the San Fernando Valley and I started my church and I pastored there for about 15 years. And we saw a lot of miracles and I saw a lot of uh, uh, just great things that God did. And uh, the reason I'm no longer pastoring was because my wife got cancer. Right. And, and when that happened, and when that happened, it just 
I'll be honest with you. It took a, it took a lot of uh, uh, air out of me, you know, and sure. I knew that I I had to focus on. She became my number one ministry, bro. She became yeah. my ministry, and uh, I had to. Uh, I stepped back for a while. I turned it over to my leadership, and I took care of her for about uh, two, three years. We went through it, and uh, she's cancer free today. But uh, since then, I just kind of just been chilling and just kind of okay. checking out uh, where where the church is at today. And I had to I have to keep it real with myself. I'm not saying I will never pastor again, but I know that my power spot is more itinerant stuff. Gotcha. I that's where God uses me the most is an itinerant work. So so you know right now I, I'm I'm checking that out and and see what's out there. I know the church has changed tremendously because of what's going on with COVID and whatnot. Yeah. So I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly how that's going to work, man. But I, I just know that I have to be true to what God has put in my heart since I was very young. But yeah. we'll see what happens from there. So yeah, that's that's kind of my journey, a little bit of what uh, got me to this point. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I remember when your wife got sick. Our whole church was praying for her, man. And uh, I remember yeah. we were laying down and believing God. It's so good to hear that she's cancer free today. That's that's amazing. It's tremendous. No doubt. No doubt. And. Uh, yeah. And, and in regards to my book, uh, it was something that I, during my time at ORU, man, I got to meet some pretty powerful cats. And one of the guys that influenced my life big time while I was there was a guy named John Eckhart. And uh, I used to drive the, the famous preachers around at all the conferences. They would pay me to do that. So I had a choice to, to either drive uh, T.D. Jakes and Deion Sanders. <laughs> and Deion or, Sanders. Yeah, yeah, he was at that time. He was, you know, uh, doing his thing for the church. Right. I had a choice to drive those two guys around, or I had a choice to drive John Eckhart and another guy by the name of Michael Pitts around. So I okay. chose. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drive these guys around because I think they're more. Uh, you, I could talk to them because I was told that if you're gonna drive uh, the other preachers around, you couldn't speak to them. You can do nothing. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. I, I want to be able to talk to. Right. Uh, these preachers. So uh, that's what I did. I have, I, I never knew who John Eckhart was and, and I, I knew very little about Michael Pitt. So it was a great time. And I just remember, man, that week to make a long story short, John Eckhart, man, activated some things inside of me that, I, that needed to be activated. And uh, it just changed my whole perspective on the church, the kingdom and everything else. And uh, I became a carrier of the apostolic movement, you know, of, of apostles yeah. and, and of course, that I brought all kinds of trouble to me, but I was pretty. <laughs> so my point is this, man. This book is more of an introductory uh, to the apostolic, and what I mean by that is that I try to make it as basic as possible, so people, the, or an ordinary person, let's say somebody from a Hillsong picks it up, right. and they'll be able to understand why it's important to have apostles in the church today. So it's very uh, easy reading. And it's more of an introduction to that. So that's how that book came about. So how did me and you originally connect? Do you remember? It would have to be through social media. Uh, was you know, it through John I, Eckhart? Because oh, I was connected with him for a while. And then it was, then, and then I don't know if it was John Eckhart or Jared or, or somebody introduced me. Or no, I actually introduced Jared to the whole fivefold ministry. Yep. So it, it couldn't have come from him. But uh uh, one of my spiritual sons, by the way, uh, good guy, and like you said, he's he's pretty radical guy. He, he God uses him strongly in deliverance, 
Yeah. Uh, pretty awesome. But, um, uh, I think it might've been through social media. Uh, there's another apostle out there. I, I, I can't remember his name. It could have been through him as well. Okay. Uh, uh, I think he oversees Epic. Is it called Epic Global? Yep. Axel, Apostle Axel. I think that's how I met you through him. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. Yeah, I was connected with Apostle John and Apostle Axel for quite a bit of time. Um, yeah. And in, in, in Impact and Epic and, and all the roundtables that we were doing over there. It was really, really a great experience. Here's a side note, my man. As a kid, I, again, I had a lot of different things going on in my head. And I remember I was one of those guys that even though I grew up in the hood, man, I never really got involved with the hood. You know, right. uh, I had gangster friends and I just stayed away from that life. And I think sports had a lot to do with that. But okay. I was I was an uh, I used to read GQ magazine religiously. OK, so I, I, I always had a thing about fashion, man. Right. Well, I can tell. I mean, you and your family, beautiful family. You could plaster you guys right on the cover of, of a GQ magazine and nobody would ever take an eye. Well, dude, I had a I had a. So, you know, I always had something in my heart towards that influenced the way I dress or whatever the case is. And, bro, one day I was preaching at my church and there was a young lady uh, sitting about three or four rows into my church. I had never seen her before. And she stood out like a sore thumb because she was so different than everybody else. Right. And uh, she, talk, she talked to me after that. And she really liked my style, my energy. She she was really uh, you know drawn to it, uh, the presence of God and whatnot. And uh, she asked me, man, if I would be interested in writing for her fashion magazine. Really? Yeah, man. So uh, the magazine's called LA Style Magazine. So uh, I, I was writing for a fashion magazine. Now, you got to understand, bro, it wasn't a religious magazine, so I couldn't come off like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I had to come off with, uh, she said I could write about anything I wanted, but I wanted to share God's love, but just the the pureness of God's love, not, not get all religious about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. I became, and this is a, I don't say this to, to pat myself on the back or nothing. Honest to God, I don't feel that way, but I became the only preacher in world history to be a preacher and write for a fashion magazine. That's awesome, so, man. I thought, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, that and that, they're awesome. still, they're still my friends till today. And I get invited to the Hollywood parties and, me and my wife will go and we're just there. And I found out that, hey, a lot of those pretty people uh, are hurting more than us regular folks. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Man, you, you know. Ain't you ain't All right. So I got some questions I want to throw at you here. Okay. So you said you planted you, you planted this church. Uh, what do you feel like some of the biggest obstacles are for pastors um, today? And maybe what, what were some of your biggest obstacles in growing your church? Some of the things that you dealt with maybe naturally, but also internally as well. Yeah, I think when you say internally, it's more, uh, I, I joke around and I say, uh, yeah, I have issues. It's not issue, it's issue, issue. You know, <laughs> issue. Right? So I, I had some issues going into this, man. And, right. and uh, you, you know, Johnny, as well as I know, uh, ministry will expose those weaknesses or those issues, right? Yes, sir. And, uh, uh, the biggest obstacles I faced were myself, to be honest with you, okay. is uh, my own in my own insecurities, uh, my own insecurities, my own uh, uh, hurts and pains, uh, things that that I didn't know uh, right. there 
began to get exposed, right? So those are some of the biggest obstacles. I remember my first day of opening day, I, I opened my church on an Easter and I had over a hundred people show up. So I was all fired up, right? right? But then everybody goes to church on Easter, right? Right, right. The next following week, it went from 30 down to like 15 people. And, uh, you know, I mean, 100 down to about 15 people. And I remember just uh, it affected me in such a horrible way, a negative way, that all those things began to surface in me. And it happened for like the first three, four, five years that uh, the biggest obstacles I had was the feelings of rejection. Gotcha. This, per this person left my church because maybe they didn't like me. They right. didn't like preaching and you know these are things that most pastors suffer with privately yeah i'm not going to turn around and tell everybody you know this is the way i feel this this was stuff i suffered with privately and the enemy would have a field day on my head on my heart to the point where i wanted to quit sometimes but i would just brush myself off let i'd go through it for about two from mon from monday from sunday night to like wednesday i'd be it'd be messing with my head and then i get back on the saddle on thursday you know so right. that, that that was that. Uh, another thing was, wow, uh, is pouring into people and giving your all to people. And then they turn around. They're, they're, they tell you, hey, God called me to be a part of your ministry, to be an armor bearer to you or whatever the case is. And, and you would pour into folks, man. You would meet with them. You would even put other people in front of your own family because yep. you felt it was important to pour into people, right? It's the kiss of death. Yeah, and just when the somebody turnaround. says, God had told me I'll be with you forever, that is the kiss of death. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that happens. And, and, you know, you pour into them. And, and, and by nature, you begin to love these people because, you know, you have a most, I, I believe most pastors have good hearts, you know, and yeah. they, they really are genuine when they, when they fall in love with people. And, uh, you know, and to see them just get up and, go to the next church that has more bells and whistles than you do. Right. After all the years you poured into it, them, that, 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 that kind of messed with your head too. So and those were mostly, some, and I don't know about you, but a lot of times it's also without an explanation either. It's just a, I'm gone I'm here. One second gone. It's like, wow, man, we, we threw birthday parties for you. We loved on you. You know, we were there for you in your time of need. We met with you to help you with your marriage and stuff. And, you know, when you're dealing with stuff privately and then you don't even get the courtesy of, hey, you know, we don't feel cold here anymore. And, you know, that's the crazy thing because uh, me and my wife never got into ministry to hurt anybody. Sure. Uh, I know I didn't go into ministry. Go, oh, I'm going to backstab people. I'm going to kick, kick people to the curb or anything like that. We got into ministry because we wanted to be used by God. We wanted to help people. You know, we want to encourage folks. We want to inspire. We wanted to equip people. That's what we wanted to do. And right. to turn around and, and, you know, and get accused of, uh, you know, doing something like you didn't even know, you know what I'm saying? You're like, what? But, yeah. but at the end of the day, man, those are some of the obstacles. Uh, to me, the warfare was easy as compared to <laughs> people, man. People, yeah. uh, I joked around. I think I told you this a while back. I said, sometimes I felt like, Lord, why can't I just do ministry if it doesn't involve people? You know, but <laughs> right. but that's what ministry is all about is people, right? Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah, so that's the part and worst part of ministry. But just like yeah. anything, right? It's it's just like anything. You know, there, yeah. there are good and bad in every walk of life, every part of it. And the church is no different. There's good and bad pastors. There's good and bad congregation members. There's good and bad doctors, dentists, 
you know, every, it, it's just kind of navigating through those those weeds. So, so let me ask you this question. Um, well, actually, I want to. I do have a part B to what we just spoke about. How do you feel like those things affected your wife and your kids? Well, I was a big shield, bro. I didn't always tell Deanna everything because I didn't want her. I didn't want her. You understand? I I, I protected my wife and my children. But but the the reality to it when it comes to that, I didn't allow the church. Even though there were times when I would put my children second. But that wasn't a practice of mine. My priority was my family first. Love it. I don't. I don't care what it was. I don't care if I if I had to miss a funeral or a, a wedding or something. My family came first. My daughter was a cheerleader, an all-star cheerleader, and uh, I would have to go to Las Vegas with her and my family to competitions out there on Sundays, and right. I would just leave the church with my people. Uh, my leadership and uh, go be with my family, my son, you know, baseball tournaments or whatever the case is. My wife, if she, if it meant it was something important for her, we had to be out on a Sunday, I would do it because my family was first. But saying that I couldn't cover my family for everything. Right. Uh, Unfortunately, there were times when we would come under attack by people and they would attack both myself and my wife. Gotcha. Who, if you were to meet my wife, bro, I've never met anybody who dislikes her. She's got the she's got the most tender, sweet heart, uh, you know. And she doesn't treat and she walks her life like she does. She, you know, she's not into offending people. She's not one of those wives that try to control. You know, my wife was in the background a lot. She helped tremendously in uh, the children's ministry you know and she was very careful how she handled people uh so you know my wife was such an awesome person during this i mean still is today but she just helped me tremendously anyways and then as my kids got older uh you know being part of the youth ministry you know i would hear stories of kids attacking my children you know because my children didn't walk on water you know what i'm saying they right. didn't walk on water, bro, and they were just youth, just like anyone else. Yeah, you know. And uh, one thing I never did was I I wasn't a pastor to my children. I was their dad. Yeah, you understand? I don't. Yep. I didn't come home and I didn't preach to them. I didn't throw the scriptures in their face. I didn't do any of that. I I let them be kids, and yep. they saw a side of dad that hey, dad's not a pastor to us. He's my dad. So yeah. you know, I kept that balance there, but. Yeah, there was unfortunate uh, things that my children would come under attack because they didn't walk on water. Uh, so, yeah, I couldn't protect them from that. I, I would just have to kind of coach them through it. Like, hey, right. this is the way it is, you know. Yeah. So, you know, uh, those were the come of some of the things that I would have to deal with and work with. And, and, like, and like I said earlier, you know, just pouring into people, man, your armor bearers, people that you <laughs> – and then have them just – yeah, you, they're going a different direction. So those are stuff that I that I would definitely uh, uh, have to deal with. But I thought I did a pretty good job of shielding my family. But awesome. they're affected. They're affected today because I'll hear them say comments and say things about people in the church that maybe they were attacked and they would never tell me. Right. I'll, I'll hear them say some things, but I really try to teach my children to just treat people right. 
Sure. And no matter what, even if they wrong you, you do your best to treat people. Don't let people take advantage of you, but don't, you know, right. pick and choose your, pick and choose your battles, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. What is one of the most amazing creative miracles you've ever seen with your eyes? Uh, myself. I'll tell you why. Uh, okay. I was on, I was on my deathbed. Um, oh, really? doctors, yeah, the doctors have given me only eight hours to live. From what? My, my appendix bursted inside of me and poisoned my whole body. Oh, this is man. when, I, this is when I was younger. Okay, and I remember laying there in the hospital, uh, and tubes everywhere up my nose, in my body. Trying, they're trying to, you know, push this poison out that I guess your appendix release when they burst. You know, right. Yeah, uh, the, doc the doctors had told my parents that I would be dead by the morning. So uh, uh, I, I could remember that as if it was just yesterday. And I remember my mom and dad telling me the story that they walked into the chapel at the hospital and they began to pray. And they're praying that God would uh, heal me because uh, we've already had lost three. Uh, they, they had already lost uh, two daughters and a son before me so they didn't want to go through all that again so they were praying and and they tell me this story that when they were in the chapel uh my dad heard a voice that said your son's going to be okay and he said that when he, he heard that voice he turned over to my mom and my mom and then he said what did you say and she goes i didn't say anything i thought you said that and uh the doctor came into the chapel and he says we don't know what's going on but the poison in his body is coming out of his, it's coming out and we don't even know how it's leaving wow. him. Wow. So uh, I've seen a lot of miracles, but that always stands out to me because at my age, uh, I look back and I said, God spared my life for a reason. Yep. You know what I mean? So that to me was always the, the, the biggest miracle that I saw in, in my life was that that time right there again i've seen a lot of miracles you know i've seen a lot of miracles take place but you're asking me the most impactful one it yep. would be that one that's amazing that there's one. no coincidence there right like how do you explain that you can't you can't explain it any other way no i can't so yeah so you know there's always i feel like a forrest gump sometimes you know how forrest gump just happened to be at the right place at the right time yeah. all the time <laughs> sometimes i feel like that because i can tell story upon story i just happen to be at the right place at the right time you know yeah so uh you know uh, i love it i love yeah. it yeah what are you and now this man yeah, yeah all right all kinds of miracles man I, I mean we could do a segment just alone on just miracles you know what i mean sure. because, yeah. god, because god is real man yeah you know and we know that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's just some things that don't change, can't change. Jesus has always been there, and he will always be there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's my testimony in life. Nice, nice. I love it. So it's my, this is my Corgi, man, and he brings a lot of joy into me, too. <laughs> what's his name? His name's Milo. Milo. What's up, Milo? <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let me ask you this, a couple hot topics, I guess, in Christianity, especially go, everything going on today. What are your thoughts on Christianity and its involvement with politics? Ooh, bro, I'm guilty of getting caught up in that. And I, I don't watch certain news networks anymore because I found the, the, they were poisoning my spirit, man. Right. And uh, 
you know, I believe what I believe, you know, uh, by nature, I'm a, I'm a conservative of heart. I value life. So I have my views there. Sure. But uh, I found myself getting too caught up and even canceling people out of my own life because I got too involved. Sure. And I had to, I had to repent and, and ask the Lord to forgive me because uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where Jesus was picking Caesar over this guy or whatever the case is. Right? So, uh, at the end of the day, I'd rather just uh, not offend people. Right. And not, and not, uh, and, and, and just, hey, everybody, if we have, if you believe more on the left, then so be it. If you believe more on the right, so be it. Yeah. I just want to be that. I just want to be that guy, man. That uh, you know, loves you, and and I'm here for you no matter what. Because uh, none of our presidents, whether it's the one we have now or the one that we had before, they didn't die for my sins. Right. And yeah. and I kind of I kind of use the analogy because like when you opened up, you you told me I was a big cowboy fan, right? Yeah. And uh, I used to be huge, bro, out of control fan. <laughs> to the point where I postpone. Check this out. I postponed my honeymoon so I could stay home and watch a cowboy game. My honeymoon. Oh my goodness. No, I was a radical fan, but one <laughs> one time, man, I realized this, and and you know, this was during times when I went through uh, difficult times financially, and I said to myself, you know what, Troy Aikman wouldn't write my rent check. Yeah. Neither would Tony Romo. So it just hit me like a ton of bricks, and I'm like. You know what? I'm putting all my loyalty in the wrong places. Right. Right. Uh, the reason why the reason why I'm saying that is because, you know, none of these politicians are gonna do anything for me personally. Sure. But I but I know my relationship with Christ. He's done more than enough for me. Right. So uh again, I've had to repent, bro. Uh and I try not to be too vocal about that because there's people there was people in my church, man. Uh, I had a multicultural church and not everybody saw things the way I did. Yeah. So I, I was very, yeah, and I was very careful because I started the church during the Obama administration and okay. I had plenty of I had plenty of African Americans in my church. And even back then I knew I couldn't really say how I felt about Obama, even though hey, God bless him, you know, I I'm not gonna curse any of our leaders in my country. Right. But obviously we had differences, you know. Um, sure. but I would I would not preach it or say something. I, in fact, I remember one time there was a family coming to the church and they were new. We had done an outreach and they got saved at our outreach. And I was just excited because that that's how I grew my church, man. We spent most of our time in the streets, feeding people, people, you know. And, and uh, I remember I said something about a certain network, a news network. Hey, I was listening on this news network and I used it as part of my sermon. And this gentleman got offended and never wow. came back. It never came back because of that. Right. So I, I learned my lesson. I said, man, there's just some things are not worth it. Yeah. You know, are not right. worth like, it. Let the cross be the only stumbling block. Not, not. Exactly. Exactly, man. So, you know, I've had to learn the hard way, but God bless our nation. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have plenty of, uh, of thoughts about things, but I pray for our president. I pray for our leadership. I pray for whatever's going on in the world today. God, you yeah. know, help our country, help our nation. And uh, help our leadership. You know, uh, they're not perfect. I think. I think we can sit here and find holes in everybody's game Absolutely. if we look. 
So, you know, uh, at this point, I'm just going to take the, the, the high road and uh, yeah. just do what Jesus said to do. And he said, hey, render under Caesars what Caesars, yeah. you know, render under God what is God's, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I have a couple aspects on this is that, you know, it's such a polarizing topic today. And much like what you just said, like our church here, Sound of Heaven is very multicultural it's uh, uh and and just honestly it's extremely diverse as far as age as far as uh economic background cultural background uh it just a whole bunch of married single everywhere and you know we got far right and far left and there and it's such an amazing thing to see everybody like worshiping together under the same we're worshiping the same god even though we have so many different beliefs over here and right. what is somewhat frustrating, uh, I guess, is to see where, you know, we've taken Christianity and made it a party, you know, specifically. And I have my thoughts and opinions as well, too. But my thoughts and opinions are not what gets preached and taught on Sundays. What gets preached and taught on Sundays is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and we will always stand up for what's right. But, you know, what the other thing, too, is that in, 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 when it comes to loving people, they have to know that you're there no matter what, too. You know what I'm saying? So if somebody's feeling a certain way and scared for a certain reason or fearful or angry or aggravated, it doesn't matter whether I agree. How could I agree or disagree with their feelings? That would be wrong of me. But what I want for them to know is that when you look over your right shoulder, that you know that I'm there for you That that because that's why I'm here to serve to serve you. And so, you know, we have this divide in the church where it's like the right side's the godly side and the left side is the antichrist side. It's just, and, and it makes these people feel like that, you know, well, if I don't agree with the right in some areas that I'm not even saved and going to heaven. And it's done such a disservice to, to God. Now, there are some people called to the political realm, which is amazing. And we got to pray for those leaders there. Uh, and there are people that are called to be in those regions. But, you know, my other aspect of this of this story is that, you can't force by law people to be Christian or people to have Christian values. It's the church's job to be the vessels to transform the heart. So they can pass whatever laws they want. They can pass as many laws as they possibly can. When the church is the church at its fullest capacity, you can't stop the church from being the church. And you can't stop the hearts of the people coming back to God either. You, we can't like dictate through policy Christianity. That's like Constantine type of stuff. You know, we got to have... We got to be in that Caesar type of environment where, you know, you know, where it, it doesn't matter if Caesar puts the craziest verdicts or laws and bylaws out there, that Christianity is still thriving amongst the um, a crazy amount of persecution that they were yeah. under. And in and out of season is where we got to be on that. And, you know, it, it's really, man, I, I, Apostle, I just see so many people. They're so hurt because they feel like they can't come into the church. And we see that with the, it's like, Anybody that's uncomfortable for us, the homosexual community, people with long hair, tattoos, spiky hair, colored hair, um, yeah. you know, you know, people who are not of the correct political party, whatever that means, um, you know, or dealing with different emotions, even like with this whole transgender movement that's going on right now. The question that you have to ask is, you know, would a transgender person feel like they're hated? I'll, I'll give you a quick story. We, a couple of years ago, got invited to speak at a... Um, it's, it was an LGBTQ uh, faith night, and um, it was a really interesting uh, night be, because there was a bunch of young people there. And I'll be honest, we walked in there. We were the only church that has a stance on homosexuality being sin. 
and every other one was gay affirming, right? But even though our stance is that, we are on the safe uh, the safe church list in New York that homosexuals can come to because we are a complete judgment-free zone. They'll be right up in the front, and we'll have homosexuals here worshiping with us, and, and we're loving on them, and we're praying for them. And again, they know our stance, but they know our belief uh, doesn't dictate how we treat people and how we love people, and we have them over a house. Like, you would never even know, right? Uh, and right. so we went in there. And we were the only non with a couple other gay affirming churches uh, there. And dude, we're talking kids from the ages of 13 to 21. We're talking about um, flower pots, you know, like flower beds that were around the, the room. And they were filled with condoms, dude. They, they were literally filled with condoms in there. And you're talking yeah. about 13, 14, 15-year-old kids in there. And they're making out on these couches that were in there. And we're, every, we're trying to speak and talk and stuff. And so – it was so powerful, man. We got call, called up to speak, and the speaker that represented our church came up, and he said this. He goes, I know everybody wants to know the question is, is homosexuality a sin? And he goes, and if I tell you it's a sin, you're going to shut me down, and you're not going to listen to anything I say from here on out. And he goes, and if I tell you it's not a sin, uh, then all of a sudden you're going to like what I say, and you're going to listen to me to, to everything I say. And he goes, and there lies your problem. You're always looking to be affirmed by man when you, all you need to do is be affirmed by God. Dude, you want to talk about the atmosphere change off of that statement? It was like, boom. Like the whole tension just like went down. And by the end, we were done. We had kid after kid. They were coming up to us, just hugging us and thanking us for being there and thanking us for praying for them and thanking us for listening to their concerns about coming to church and about God. And one kid came up and hugged me. He was in tears. He goes, thank you for not hating me. Thank you for not hating me. And the fact that this is the overall sense of the gay community just in general shows that we have a long way to go as the church because, you know, if Jesus Christ was there, he would have done something very similar. There's no way that uh, 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 Jesus was walking in there and when it's all over, they go, wow, this guy hates my guts, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, so it's, it's those types of things that I really think that um, – you know, and, and to go back to the politics, you know, if the church is the church, there are many problems solved that we don't have to look to the world to and worldly systems and worldly governments because the government of the kingdom of God trumps and overrules all those types of things. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, again, uh, there's 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 the thing that we point back to Jesus, bro, because he's the one that yeah. led the perfect example, man. And I know that. If you read through the Gospels, he was put in a position where he had to make a choice as to right. whether he was going to follow Caesar's ways or not. And God and Jesus always had a uh, words of wisdom that he would share that that would leave them even more baffled than they were. But at the end of the day, man, he cared more about their heart than any uh, political stance they had. So true. And, that's, and that's where we need to be, bro. We need to be there. Uh, yeah. And, and like I said, uh, I know that maybe uh, I, it's been said because I got some friends that are ministers and they're 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 left. They strongly believe on the left, and and they said that they really think that the church blew it because they stood behind the last administration. And right. uh, you know, honestly, I don't know enough to make a comment here or there about that because uh, you know I would just get caught up in the. And the the media, you know, they they right. got me, they got me, and uh, I you know it's to... funny though, it's funny because like when Obama, President Obama won, we put up a post on our our page, you know, 
like a congratulations to President Obama uh, and, and, and Michelle. We're praying for them. Let's pray for our country. Let's pray for our leaders. And dude, the right would just destroy me on this post, right? And then President Trump wins. And we put up, congratulations to President Trump. We're praying for Trump. We're praying for this. We're praying for that. And then the left comes out and destroys me on the post. And now yeah. Joe, you know, Joe won. I put up the same thing. Like, hey, you know, to, to Joe, hey, uh, praying for President Joe. Congratulations to him and Dr. Jill. You know, praying that God's wisdom, that God would draw his hearts close. He'd make the right decisions and even in the wrong, whatever the case is. And then the right comes and destroys me again. It's like ping pong. It's like right, left, right. right. It's like who's going who's gonna to crucify us now every four years? And we really got to get it because the world is watching stuff like that. And literally they roll their eyes and go, oh, this is why I don't want to go to church. And it becomes a stumbling block to salvation. And is it really worth it, man? Is it really worth it? Yeah. Well, I'm going to uh, speak to you in that, but I'm going to go a little different direction on that. I'm just going to say that. And I was kind of hoping this would come up somehow, some way. But I just believe, uh, Pastor Johnny, that the church is transitioning. Uh, if we don't change, we're, we're going to become insignificant. And I'm talking about not so much christ but the church the the natural church that we have i i believe there's a shift happening uh i may be 100 percent wrong man but this is just my thought and what I i'm see right there history. with you man i'm excited what you're saying I, i'm a you know there's my thought but i think the days of the mega church are over uh they're not you know we know because i've been a part of them and i've seen it but they're not as uh you know, you can't relate with folks the way God intended in the book of Acts. You know, the, if, if we're going to use a pattern, then what pattern did God leave us for the church is the book of Acts. Right. Yeah. And they did things from house to house. And I was at a house service the other day. I was speaking at a house service down the street. And in my spirit, I said, man, this is the wave of the future because I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, in the next few years in America where we may have to go underground like the Church of China. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, uh, I sat with a pastor a couple weeks ago, man. He's pastors one of the mega churches out here, and he invited me to have a sit-down with him. So I, I went and I met with him. And uh, his mindset was, yeah, you know, uh, during COVID, I lost 50% of my church. And he was a mega church. And, and uh, I sat there and I listened to him. And he was a little bit younger than me. And uh, I just heard him out. And the whole time I'm saying to myself, man, I think it's time to shift, bro. I think you're going to have to do some things different. Because I'm, sure I'm not sure those people are coming back. Right. So I, I don't know where your advice is coming from, but... I would bring some people around me that have a different idea of what the church should look like moving forward. But, um, you know, uh, I know I was poisoned in Bible school at ORU, bro, that if I didn't have a mega church, I was worthless. Mm. You understand? Yeah. If I didn't, get, if I didn't have 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people in my church, then, uh, you know, I was insignificant. And to me, that's... That's poison. Yeah, man. And so many of us who graduated from uh, these types of universities uh, feel insignificant today because 
we weren't big like the guy down the street, or we weren't. You understand? Yep. But, I got but man, nothing can be further from the truth. And I think that in the days to come, man, we're gonna have to uh, shift, and instead of becoming one big powerful church, you you have a bunch of little churches everywhere. You know right. what I mean? And true, true apostolic ministry, right? Uh, uh, that is know, fivefold apostolic ministry to its finest, right there. Yeah, you're doing something in Long Island, then you got something going on in the Bronx, and you got something else happening in Manhattan. Yeah. You know, I'm not too familiar with New York, but I know those are some of the more popular. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Brooklyn and whatnot. Uh, you know, and hey, bro, that's to me that's amazing because you're reaching a lot of little places. That if you were to add them up, would become a big place. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So that that's my view. I think if I uh, once I or if I decide to pastor again, I I, I would probably pattern myself after something like that. I love it. That's amazing. I don't, I, again, I may be wrong, but then. No, I I agree, dude. I I I agree, man. I really do. It's a sound of heaven. It's our. It's been our model for a decade. You know, we're never. But we're not building a. Um, mega church model but a smaller church model where we're constantly raising up new leaders and filling places where uh local people can come and gather but five years ago way before the pandemic almost three years before the pandemic we were doing live streaming and because and, god put it on our heart get your digital stuff together because it's the wave of the future man and uh you'll be able to reach so much more people at the snap of the fingers and so what we've been working on for a half a decade now is how do we make online as as engaging as possible? Because there's no, listen, there's nothing like being in the atmosphere and being there and talking to people. There's nothing like it. But how do we bridge that gap as close as we can? And so when the pandemic hit for us, we didn't miss a beat, man. We literally, we literally did not miss a single beat. We didn't lose any. We didn't lose. We gained congregation members. We didn't lose anything in our offerings. Uh, we didn't lose anything in our reach of our of our impact and stuff. We turned our sanctuary because. We were like the last one to close and the first one to open. You know, like we were the only, there was two weekends. We were the only church in all Long Island still open, still meeting, having services during the pandemic. And then when we were forced to close down, we turned our sanctuary into a food pantry because the food pantries were shut down. And there were veterans here and the elderly that were dependent on those. And so we have videos of us. We are collecting foods. We're dropping them off at other pantries that would give them out. And if not, we were making house runs ourselves. Jason was a huge part of that. Uh, one of the leaders over here and organizing that because he was uh, uh, the president of the Chamber of Commerce over here and connecting that. And so it, that smaller it, it's for what you're saying is that people need to have relationship with the leadership. Right. They, they can't just walk in there and feel like a number like or feel like a, a check. You know, uh, you know, all I do is I put money into this place and they don't even know my name or my wife's name or my kid's name. You know, um, right. they need to know that I, I care about them. And it's impossible to do that for more than 100, 200 people, to be honest, without a solid set of leaders and elders in place. Even with that, it, it's you need that in place. And and that's a transition for congregation members, too, because they're used to the one man show. They're used to the one person talking to. And so when the when the pastor spends time with them, it's like I feel special because the guy who is the one man show is focused on me. And so when you're trying to shift that and, and, and divvying things up, sometimes they feel a type of way on that. But it's kind of culturing them to get off of the idol the idolatrous worship of the pastor and onto the worship of the one true God, that's Jesus Christ. Right. And, and you know, if we uh, go back and re read Ephesians 4, 11, it which is a scripture that uh, us fivefold ministry types uh, hang our hat on, right? 
Yeah. But it but it says something there that 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 maybe we overlook sometimes or or whatever. Uh, but it says that that God uh, ascended and He gave gifts to man. Right. Then He names off the five. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers uh, to do what? To equip the people. Yeah. To do the work to do the work of ministry. Yeah. See, so God leaves us these fivefold gifts to equip His people so they can do the work of ministry, and it hasn't been that way. We've yeah. seen, like you said, the superstar pastor, the superstar apostle, the superstar prophets, uh, and so forth. And, and, and you know, uh, they, they, you know, we we worship these guys because wow, you know, their gifts, wow, they're amazing right. the way they speak. But I believe that God is saying, okay, uh, now it's time to train God's people so that they can go out and be an extension of who I am in the workplace, at schools, or whatever the case is. So right. part of the reason, and, and you know what, you're proof of that, Pastor Johnny, you're proof of that. You said you didn't miss a beat during this because you got yourself prepared. Yes, sir. You were, you were set in motion to handle what was coming. And not every pastor was like that. And that's right. why today they're struggling. I have a pastor friend uh, down the street, big, beautiful building. Guess what? They had to sell their church. They're closing their church because uh -huh. they were not they were not prepared for what took place. Right. And it's unfortunate because it's a beautiful facility. It was a former, uh, you know, movie studio, uh, uh, movie theater. And, uh, you know. Right. It's unfortunate. Yeah, uh, man. Oh. Some, of, some of us were not prepared to handle what was coming next. And now we're paying the price for it. Now, even worse than that, we feel like, a, you know, wow, I feel like a loser. Right. You know what I mean? I feel like some, I, I blew it, man. And, 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 and nah, man, this is an opportunity to. Uh, slap the dirt off our pants and get up and say, "Okay, God, uh, what's the next move? What What do you want from us? What do you, What can we do now?" Yeah, uh, yeah, we got to move. We got to flow like living waters, man. We got to be able to flow as seasons change, times change. We just get too stuck on our ways real too quick, um, and and get comfy. You know, it's like we're comfy with a little success. And then all of a sudden we stopped taking those, taking those leaps of faith that brought us that success to begin with. We get we're happy with the manna from yesterday, and not and and it's almost like our insecurities stop our faith from expecting manna tomorrow again, the supernatural blessing or, or increase from God again. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, uh, I mean, let's be real. The church will never be defeated. You know. Right. Yeah. If one generation didn't catch it, the next generation will. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but I want to be a part of something good, right? <laughs> I want to be a part of something great. I, I, exactly, man. I, I don't want I, I try to keep myself as relevant as possible because I definitely right. don't want to be left behind. I still got a lot in my tank, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, man. So listen, as we're winding down here, I want you to just answer this question and then we got to take actually, you know what? Let's do the selfie now. We're going to take an online digital selfie, okay? For the podcast. So I'm going to give us the count of three. Let me get my screenshot here thing ready. All right, you ready? Let's do this. One, two, three. Look at that. Even digital selfies can come through. Perfect. Nah. All right. So here's the deal. For somebody who doesn't go to church, doesn't want to go to church, doesn't believe in God, want to believe in God, what would you say to them? Like what would be the 
Like, why should they come back? Or why should they give God an opportunity? Why should they give a, a real church, a legitimate church, an opportunity um, to, to, to be a part of something like that? Well, number one, I would, I would have to meet them where they're at and say, hey, uh, how's it going with the peace that you're looking for? Right. Have you been able to find it? Because I'm not sure you're going to find it at a club. Uh, you're not going to find it in a, a bottle of Hennessy. Um, you're not going to find a peace in, uh, that you're looking for in a relationship with somebody else. Uh, but I really believe that God can give you that peace. Now, to come back in church, man, to me, I think, uh, you know, God loves us so much. And he, he extends his hands towards people so much that he made a way through YouTube and other social medias that you could create your altar there at your home and listen to God's word and get filled in your heart. Uh, right. That you don't have to that that you don't have to drive to a church. Now, I know that I have a lot of pastor friends and I see them posting all the time. You need to be in church. You need to be in church. Well, maybe you need to meet the people where they're at. Yeah, rather absolutely. Than, rather than them coming to where you're at. I mean, right. I mean, especially like a place like New York where parking is pretty limited. You well, know? Long Island is is actually a lot like 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 the, a country type of area, believe it or not. Oh, New really? York, okay. Yeah, New well, York City. You're 100 percent right. It's a nightmare, and it really, if you're in the city, you don't even own a car because you could just get there in a million different ways. But yeah, if we, if if we left the church where I'm at right now, if we left this church and we're driving back, we'd pass farms, cows, and then and then we're we go to the beach. We'd go to the we're 40 minutes away from everything: a mountain, a city, a beach, a farm. <laughs> so, so that's that's LA on the East Coast, no doubt. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, to me, that's that's. That's what I would. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. That we would have to bring the church to them now. People that don't want to come to church. At the end of the day, uh, you know, uh, people that don't want to serve God. We have to come to the realization, Johnny, that not everybody's going to go to heaven. Right. And I know that that sounds negative, but. It's definitely not something I would preach on a series on, maybe unless the Lord led me to. But right, truth is, you know, some some people just outright don't like God. You know, they hate God, and the only thing you can do is trust that the Holy Spirit will speak to the hearts, like He did uh, Pharaoh. You know, He spoke yep. to Pharaoh's heart. But so we can't save the world, you know, but. We do our best to get the word out there. We do our best to love people. We do our best to feed the poor. Uh, we do our best to be there for the widow. We do our best to uh, to to be a positive light to the down and outer as well as the up and outer. Because there's right. plenty of up and outers that are just as tore up as the down and outers. Sure. So we we do our best, man, to uh, to get the word out. And and know that maybe like like Paul says, you know, uh, Apollos, or I sold the seed. Apollos watered, and it's God that brings the increase. Yeah. Maybe you're the one that's going to sow the seed. Maybe you're that one that's going to water the seed. Maybe you're the one that's going to bring the increase. So we have to uh, know that. Yeah. Uh, 
I know there's plenty of stories and I've heard plenty of testimonies where guys are just outright rebellious towards God, but they had a mother that prayed for them. They had yeah. a, 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 a friend that told them, hey, uh, about Jesus. They sowed a seed and somebody came along in prison or whatever and watered that seed. And now yeah. some of them are pastoring churches and doing great things. So sure. uh, we got to know that, uh, you know, at some point, you know, we have to just trust God in those people's lives. Uh, you're, you're, you may not be the voice they want to listen to, but somebody else will. You know what I'm saying? Yep. No, absolutely, man. So, absolutely. Apostle, I, I want to thank you for your time today. It's been awesome getting to know you even more and hearing your heart and hearing your voice. Uh, and uh, why don't you tell everybody how they could get a hold of you, if they want to follow you, if you have a website, social media, give everybody the info and where they could get your book. Yeah, uh, my Facebook, just look for me, J.R. Gonzalez. Uh, you'll see, you see my face on this, and so you'll you'll see a picture of me there. Uh, it's pretty easy. It's just J.R. Gonzalez on Facebook. Sharp as attack, too, by the way. Sharp as attack. And uh, the other one would be Instagram is J.R. underscore Gonzalez with a Z at the end, just like you see it spelled on the screen, 777 right after that. So it's JR underscore Gonzalez 777. That's my Instagram. And those are really the only two platforms I use for now. I don't have a YouTube station or, or uh, uh, what's the other one? A TikTok. <laughs> if you have a TikTok, you let me know yeah. because I would be very interested. Yeah, those are the two uh, platforms that I use. I would love to meet you and reach out to you. Right now, I'm currently sold out on my books, so I'm going to have to reorder them. Okay. So, uh, just, just uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, uh, but yeah, I want to thank you, Johnny, uh, for uh, bringing me on. And uh, this is a wonderful experience for me. And uh, and uh, you know, I, I really believe you're onto something. And uh, I look forward to hearing uh, of the great things that God's going to use you through this platform to reach the unreachable and touch the untouchable. You know what I mean? Amen. Thank you, bro. I really appreciate you, man. And you know, although we, we are literally a country apart over here, just know that uh, that my wife and my family, we love you and your family and uh, anything that you need, man. Just just let us know. And looking forward to connecting again and chatting some more for sure. All right. I appreciate it, my man. God bless All you right. and your family. God bless you too, brother. All right. Bye-bye.